Let's read together from God's Word this morning. We continue in our studies through the book of Luke. We're making slow progress, but sure progress. And it's been really good as we've learned from the teachings of the Lord Jesus Himself how we are to live. And so we come to chapter 18 this morning, the parable of the persistent widow. It's called in my Bible, but that's not uh, inspirational words, by the way. It's just a little heading. The words start in the first verse. Those are the breathed out ones. Luke 18, verse 1. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there's a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Good sense of humility. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Amelia Earhart is one of my famous dead heroes because she flew. And she did many, many great flights across this globe. But the one which stands out in history is when she tried a circumnavigation of the earth in her little plane. And she tried that in 1937 and unfortunately she didn't make it. She disappeared somewhere over the Pacific Ocean. And to this day they're not too sure yet where she is. Someone once asked us, how do you make it when you do this long distance flying? How do you push yourself through? And she said these words, she said, the most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. The most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. There's a lot in those last two words. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. This morning are you in... The Christian life for the long distance. Are you in it for the long haul? Have you felt like giving up lately? You see, the Lord knows our weaknesses, doesn't he? And so he says to his disciples, hang in there. Your faith needs to be strong if you're going to make it for the long distance. The framework that I want to put around this sermon this morning is this, from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. This is the framework around what we are going to say this morning. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We can say nothing this morning if it isn't for the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ Who will do this? 
not up to us. And yet, He asks us to have tenacity. So are you in for the long distance? Have you ever asked yourself this question or made this statement? I believe God will answer my prayers, but... Have you ever said that to yourself? I have. I've brought things to the Lord. And I've brought them to the Lord and I've brought them to the Lord, but... Lord, when are you going to answer? It's only me. Have you done that? We're all human. And so Jesus tells this parable. What's the point of the parable? He speaks about an attitude that's to be in us, looking to Christ's return. Remember last week, we looked at the return of the Son of Man and how exciting and how fast that is going to be and how He's going to separate out people, those who belong to Him and those who don't. And now He tells this follow-up parable. He says, but your faith is to be tenacious. There's an attitude that we are to have in us. We are to keep the faith. He will do the work in us, but we are to keep the faith. And so when we pray, we are to pray at all times and we are not to lose heart. You see, what he does here is he joins faith and prayer. They cannot be separated. If you've got faith, you will pray. If you if you pray, then have faith. And I'm going to expand on that as we go through this text this morning. How does it relate to the previous passage? Well, Jesus teaches that during the lengthy and the increasingly difficult period of time before the Son of Man comes, His followers right through the ages, from the time of the disciples right through till today, instead of losing heart, we should persevere in the faith and in our prayers. And He will vindicate us when He returns. So that's where we're heading towards, right? He said that to us right in that first verse. Why am I going to tell you this parable? I wish it was always this easy. There it is. There's the point. That's why I'm telling you this parable. You ought always to pray and not lose heart. Let's look at this parable that Jesus tells. The story with the lesson. Remember, parables always have a lesson in them. We have two contrasts. And Jesus is going to use a lot of contrast this morning. So you need to be paying attention to that. First we have the contrast of the judge. This wicked judge. Now, it says that he was a judge and he held court. Now, in our heads we think of a courtroom like Wanganui Courthouse, right? Nice fancy panelling, kind of neat speakers, microphones. It's neat and orderly. It wasn't like that then. This was most probably a Gentile judge because he was operating by himself. You see, the detective work tells us that if it was a Jewish court, there'd be three judges and they would preside over the court so that there would be justice. But because there's only one judge, he's one of these roaming judges appointed by the Roman government who would go around and hear people's cases. And they were most probably, he was most probably a Gentile. He was most probably Roman. He wasn't that well paid. And so his job was to go around to hear cases and then he'd kind of get paid a stipend by the government. But most of his money would come from bribes because those he had to listen to the cases had to kind of pay a little money so that he'd listen to their case, right? And so he had these clerks or assistants who would sit in this tent that he put up. It was just a tent, nothing fancy. He'd pitch it 
and everyone would know now it's time to come and hear your case to be heard and he would have his assistant sitting outside and if you wanted to have your case heard then you had to get past the assistant first with your bit of money or your goat or whatever you wanted to bring. And that's how he made a living. So he was a Gentile judge and Jesus says a little bit more about this man. He was a godless man. He did not fear God. So there's one bit of information. He looked down on people because he didn't fear God. And because he was a Gentile, he most probably hated Jews anyway. And so if you as a Jew came to him, then there was a little bit of prejudice already. There's a reason Jesus is doing this. And he says he was also unscrupulous. He did not fear God, but he didn't respect man either. He looked down on people. He was, in other words, a hateful egotist, if we have to put it in today's language. He loved himself. He couldn't care less about anyone else. And this was the judge, the one who's supposed to bring judgment in a fair way. He was a judge without love. He, was, he didn't have a love for justice either. He set the agenda, not the law. You see where we're at? Jesus is setting up one massive side of injustice. And this is the judge who this poor widow has to come before. Now, we have the widow on the other side. Now, think contrast again. Jesus has painted this evil picture. Now he's going to paint a hopeless picture. This widow comes before this judge. She's in strife. We don't know what the issue is. We don't know who she was. But it seems to have been a long-standing issue, a long-standing dispute. And usually these things were about property or money when there was a widow involved. And she's under threat. She wants legal protection from the law. And so she comes to this judge. Now, we need to understand something else. Widows in the Near East were in a complete helpless situation. Firstly, they didn't have their husband to stand up to them under the law because a woman's voice wasn't heard under the law. They just weren't heard. And so they had to bring a male representative who would represent them in the law and then her case would be heard. She didn't have a husband. She had no one to represent her before the law. And as a widow, she had no husband who would stand as her representative. And also, generally the case was that widows would be not well off. They would be very poor. And so Jesus paints this helpless contrast on the other side to this judge. Do you see what he's doing? You see, the Old Testament told the people of Israel that they had to look after widows. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 said you have to plead the widow's cause. But the nation wasn't doing that. Here was this Gentile who was going to hear her cause and he was already so against what he was going to hear anyway. But it's the only place she knows to go where there might be a little bit of hope. And now look at the widow because Jesus continues to paint her. He's not finished there. He says she's a widow with a difference. This is a widow you don't want to come across or get on the wrong side of because this is a tenacious widow. She's a persistent one. She goes to the judge first time, she pays the bribe and then he doesn't want to hear her case. And then she comes back, pays another bribe which she can't afford and he doesn't want to hear her case. So what does she do? Give up, sit on a heap and die. No. She comes back and she comes back and she comes back, and she comes back, and she comes back, 
And she comes back to the judge. She's tenacious. That's the difference. And in the end, what happens? Come on, you know what happens. He gives up because he just can't stand this anymore. Capitulation. He's worn out. The Greek term used here is to hit under the eye. He's got a blue eye from this woman. Not really, but nearly. Because she doesn't give up. The word buffeting is the one that Paul uses later. He says, I'm buffeted for the sake of the gospel. I'm shaken around by it. My body can't take it anymore. Same thing here, but it's only one woman. Buffeting this judge. Who's supposed to be the cruel one who doesn't fear God, who doesn't fear men, but is worn down by her. You see what Jesus is saying? Persist, says the Lord. That's what the whole aim is here. Persist. Now, I just want to make this really clear, because I can hear the teenagers already. So you mean nagging pays off? I'm going to get home. Dad, can I please use the car? Please, Dad, can I use the car? Please, Dad. And you're going to wear your dad down. You probably will. But it's not nagging. The Lord is not sanctifying nagging. That's not what he's saying here. There's a very different point here. He's not saying nag and nag and nag until I hear your prayers because that's actually not what he's saying. It's evil to nag. It's evil to have a repetition of the same old thought just thrown out there till you wear someone down. That's not what he's saying. Jesus spoke against that. He said, I don't want you to pray like that. He calls them vain repetitions or heaping up empty phrases. Matthew chapter 6 verse 7. He says, don't come like that in your prayers. Don't just bring me empty phrases and say them over and over and over and over. I'm going to say this. Hail Mary. That people repeat after each other over and over. He says, don't come with those. I don't hear those prayers. Rather, come in this attitude that there is hope in this one that I come to and I will repeatedly come back to this one that there's hope to, and I will re-bring my prayers to him, the same topics you can bring to the Lord, but bring them to him repeatedly because of your hope fixed in him. That's why you keep coming back. It's because of who he is that you keep coming back. Not that you're going to wear him down. Do you see the difference? And so Jesus says, that's the type of faith you are to have. A come back to me faith. All the time, because of who I am, bring your praise to me. Repeatedly bring them to me. Why? Because unlike this human judge, says the Lord, I am the God of justice. I will hear your prayers. Now look at the contrast. You see, he's working with contrast all over the place. It's this evil judge. It's the weak um, widow. And now the God of justice, who will really hear prayers. Look at what he says in verses 6 to 8. The Lord said, hear what the righteous judge says. In other words, learn the lesson from this parable. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? What's the Lord saying here? He's saying, in, in comparison to this heartless human judge, who eventually gives in, not for justice sake, but for his own sanity, the loving, eternal God brings real justice. He does not need to be convinced. 
He does not need to be bribed. And you can come to this eternal God for real justice without delay. That is, because in His perfect timing, from His everlasting and His all-seeing perspective, He will answer your prayers in His own time. Why? Because you and I, if we are believers, we are His elect. Yes, we're going to speak about election. There are some that God has chosen before time. He teaches that. Who He will save. We don't know who those are. And so we take the gospel to everyone. But He knows who He will save. And it's to those, those that He will save, that He will answer prayer. Those He loves with an everlasting love, says Jeremiah 31. Those are the ones. And if you are one of those, He's talking about you. You are loved with an everlasting love. And when you come to Him with your prayers, with your petitions, the everlasting, all-powerful God will bend His ear. The old English says He will incline His ear to you and He will hear. Doesn't that give you hope? You see, we're not to give up, says the Lord. Don't give up. I am the God of justice. And He doesn't end it there. He says, I will bring justice to my elect quickly. Now I hear an objection already. But hang on, hang on. I've been praying for 35 years for my husband. Why is the Lord not answering my prayer? I can't tell you. But the Lord can. And this is what He says to you. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think, says 2 Peter 3.9. No, He is being patient. Are you listening to this? He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. Now tell me, if you've been praying for your husband or your child or your grandchild for 35 years, have you ever given them the gospel message? And maybe the Lord's being patient for your sake. He's waiting till you give them the gospel message and then He'll save them. But do we just pray, Lord, save them, and then we just leave it up to the Lord? Do you see? He's being patient. And maybe in his own time, he will save that person when the time is just right. So we need to continue to pray. We need to continue to keep our eyes fixed on him. Because when his justice does come, it will happen really quickly. It doesn't have to be an extended time. When the Lord decides to act, it happens Immediately, we learnt about that last week. When he comes again, what will happen? We'll be changed in an instant, like this. It's not going to be by evolution. We are going to be changed in an instant. Believers will be, what are the words used? Snatched up to the Lord. It's not a gradual kind of pull up with a rope. It's snatched up. It happens quickly. Earth and sky will flee from his presence. It happens quickly. When the Lord answers... He answers quickly. He promises. And so we need to persevere. So what does this justice look like for us? And there's a beautiful comparison that you need to see as we look at this parable. Firstly, this widow was a stranger. She came to this strange judge as a stranger herself. How do we come to the Lord? Here's our hope. We are God's children. We come to Him as our Father, He wants to answer our prayers. There's the difference. 1 John 5 verse 14 says this, 
And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we, if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. So if you ask the Lord, it's in His will, He will answer your prayers. You come to Him as His child. Unlike the widow. Unlike the widow who had limited access through these clerks who wanted bribes, we have an unlimited access directly into the God's presence, right before His throne. Have you ever thought of that? When Jesus died on the cross, what happened in the temple? That big massive curtain was torn in two. And what was it to, to show? That men now have, through Jesus Christ, direct access into the throne room of God. Do you make use of that? You don't have to come through anything else. You come through Jesus Christ, right into the presence of God Himself. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18. It's encouraging. Thirdly, this widow had no friend or representative at court. We have an advocate. There's a big difference between a friend and an advocate. What does an advocate do? It's a legal term, legal position. An advocate helps you. He pleads or she pleads your cause before the judge. Isn't that amazing? So we don't just have someone representing us. We have an advocate who pleads our cause before the judge. Jesus Christ himself. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Isn't that an amazing thing? Who is Jesus Christ? He's God's own son. So what are the chances of our case? Really good. But do we come through Jesus? Or do we try and do it on our own? You've got the advocate. The fees paid. Use him. That's quite unlike many lawyers. Use him. It's paid for. This widow came to a court of law. We come to the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, So therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Do you hear those two words in juxtaposition there? We can come boldly before the throne of a gracious God. Isn't that beautiful? There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. When do you need His grace most? Is that when you're on your knees? Is that when you're having your case heard by the advocate? Is that because you've come? This widow pleaded out of her poverty. We have all of God's riches available to us to meet our every need. What hope there is for us as believers in Christ? But Jesus isn't finished. There's verse 8. There's always a verse 8 when it comes to the Lord's teaching. Because there's a challenge to you and I. What does He say? I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. Now, it could have ended there. It would have been so much easier. But it doesn't. What does He say? Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, 
will he find this kind of faith on earth? Will he find this type of persistent faith on earth? Will he find it when he comes? You see, in light of God's justice on our behalf, do we remain faithful to him today? Will we remain faithful to him tomorrow? When the Son of Man comes, will he find that kind of persistent faith in you and in me? That's what Jesus is saying to us. Are you holding out in your faith? Or do you feel like giving up lately? I want to put four really pointed questions to you. And I pray that they pointed not because of the words, but because of the Holy Spirit working. And these are the four questions to you under so what? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the question and I'm going to read you the answer from Scripture itself because it's much better than my answers. And so you're going to hear a question and scriptural answers. And so listen to God speaking and answering these questions. First question. How are we to persevere in the faith? How do we do it until the returning of the Lord? What does the Lord tell you, you and I? Hebrews chapter 10. How do we persevere? He says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, here it is. You want to persevere? Here it is. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So there's the first one. Draw near with your hearts sprinkled clean and in full assurance of faith. Do you trust Jesus Christ? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Hold fast to what is given us without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Do you trust Jesus Christ? And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Do we encourage each other? So, here's the answer. How are we to persevere in faith? We are to draw near confidently to the throne. We are to draw near through Jesus Christ. And we are to encourage each other in our walks. Do we? When we get together, do we encourage each other in the faith? Secondly, I want to ask you this. What does tenacious faith look like? So, it's all theory up to now, but what does this hanging on faith look like? Well, this is the picture of it. Here it is. 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Does your faith rejoice always? Pray without ceasing. How are you doing so far? Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There's a picture of this saving faith. It rejoices, it prays without ceasing, and it gives thanks in all circumstances. Do you see how Jesus has joined faith and prayer? Now Augustine, who was a famous dead guy, said this. He said, when faith fails, prayer dies. Dying prayer is a symptom of a dying faith. Now, what's your prayer life like? What is my prayer life like? 
When faith fails, prayer dies. Dying prayer is a symptom of dying faith. If our faith had to depend on how we prayed, what would it look like? Not good. Thirdly, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith in you and I? When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith in you and I? Now, I'm going back to that first verse I read, right at the beginning. Who is doing the work in us? God Himself. But, says Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, we are to also persevere in our faith. And then He will continue to work in us. You see, there's a part in us that we've got to do too. We are to persevere in the faith. And will the Son of Man find that faith in us? Will He find us faithful at trusting in Him constantly? Doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. If you're an unbeliever here today, Jesus Christ will return. What is the faith He will find in you? If it's not in Jesus Christ, the only faith He will find in you is a faith in yourself. And that won't save you. There is still time. Jesus says, I will be your advocate, but come to me. Bow the knee to me. Appoint me as your one who will come between you and the Father. I will save you and then I will plead your case to your Father. But come. There's the gospel invitation out again to you this morning. Come. When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith in you? And then fourthly, So what about those delays? We pray and we pray and we don't seem to get answers. Romans 8.28 still applies. It's no more untrue than it was the day it was written. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. So all I can say to you this morning is just trust Him. I don't have the answers. He does. Trust Him. Persist in that trust. And carry on praying. I found a beautiful little acronym I'm going to put up here for you. It's called PUSH. Pray until something happens. That's easy to remember, isn't it? PUSH. I'm sure that's what this widow did. She pushed until she was heard. Well, we need to come in that same attitude before the Lord. We need to pray until... Something happens. Now, if that's all you can remember today, there's a little picture for you. Pray. Come back to the Lord. He will hear your prayers in His time. Keep on keeping on praying. So I'll ask you as I started out this morning, are you in the Christian faith for the long distance? Are you going to make it on the long road? Emilia said the most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. Well, I want to plead with you this morning, start praying again this morning. Start praying again today. Carry on praying tomorrow and the next day and the next day and trust in the Lord. But start. The act is the most difficult first bit. The tenacity will come. Why? Because it will be a gift from God to you. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will continue to perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. So just start. He will perfect 
that gift of persistence in you. You can't do it. It's His strength you need, you see, because your strength will give in. His strength will be your strength. Because no other strength will endure to the end. His strength will be your strength because no other strength will endure to the end. Do you hear the teaching of the Lord? Persist. Push. Trust. He will do it. He will perfect you until that day when He comes. We trust in Him. Alone. Lord, we trust in you alone. That's the cry from our hearts. Unfortunately, our feet don't always do the same thing. Because we walk off into doubt. We see the waves coming over us and we start looking at the waves and not at the Lord who created them. Lord, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who started it, the one who will finish it. Because in our own strength, we will fail. May we rely on the strength of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us when we come before you in our prayers, in our thoughts, in our requests, in our anguish before you. May we trust the one to whom we are coming. The almighty God. The one who will hear our prayers and answer in his own time. Keep us coming back to you, Lord. We trust in you. Keep our faith strong till Jesus Christ appears. In you we trust alone. 